And Kurt says, makeovers are like crack to me. And my note here is me, but with changing my entire personality and sense of style every three years. Welcome to the Sing Sations podcast. I am Eliza, and I know for sure that I was not ready to be a parent at 16. Hi there. My name is Olive, and I think if Glee wasn't a bunch of cowards, they would have given David Karofsky more solos, if any at all. They would have given him at least one. That's certainly a choice that you can make. I think it would have been interesting. I think it would have, uh, if not moved a plot forward, it would have given us more depth to his character. They gave us no Dave solos, but they gave us so many Sebastian solos, you know? That's fair. Um, this week, we're going over the episode of Hairography. And if I sound like I'm complaining the whole time, it's because I am. <laughs> As you should. This episode kind of sucks. Yeah, this is like, I feel in every season of Glee, there's one episode that's just like microaggression after microaggression. And it's, where it's this episode. It's not like Wheels where the characters, where they're like trying to tackle something big and they're doing it in a really tone deaf way. It's just like small things where it's like, damn, Ryan Murphy really does not like black women. Uh, this is the episode where we get to meet uh, the two teams that the New Directions are competing with at sectionals, the upcoming competition. So the episode opens with Sue walking into the teacher's lounge and slapping a cheerleading magazine onto the table in front of Will. It's, it's called Splits Magazine, which I feel like is a name for a magazine that should not have a teenager on the front of it. But maybe that's just me. She's been uh, named Coach of the Decade. I mean, can you name any other cheerleading coaches? I mean, no, but also this is set in 2009, right? They probably wouldn't name that until next year. Oh yeah, that is weird. Oh well, the time doesn't exist in Glee Land. Time doesn't exist in Glee. She slams down the the magazine in front of Will, like it's something he should be very impressed by, um, and requests slash demands that he give her the their set list, the New Direction set list for sectionals. Because she's still technically like the arts director for McKinley High, which doesn't make any sense, but you know. Right. It's just kind of like a weird made up position that she uh, named herself essentially so that she could mess with the Glee Club. And Will is like, yeah, sure, whatever. I'll get them to you later. And she like holds, I think holds her hands out expectantly. And he's like, what? And she's like, I'd like my magazine back, even though he's not even holding it. She, she was the one who slammed it on the table in front of him. He has not touched it at all. We and get into like a Will monologue that opens in a way that is extremely funny to me because he says, you never know where you stand with Sue Sylvester, to which I say, Will, I think it's pretty easy to tell. We then go into the choir room. We're learning choreography that sucks. For a set list that they have not set down yet. But, also, you know. like, none of the kids are getting the dance moves, too. Like, he, he's got his back facing to them, so he can't even see who's doing them right and who's doing them wrong. And almost all of them are doing them wrong. So you would think he would need to, like, break down the dance moves a little bit more and, like, take it very slowly for them. As he turns around, he sees that Brittany is just, like, holding up her phone. She's not dancing. She's just holding up her phone and recording the rehearsal. And when he, when he catches her, she goes... Mrs. Sylvester didn't tell me to do this, which informs us to the fact that Sue definitely did tell her, to told her to do this. Yeah. This is also, I don't know if it's like mentioned in previous episodes or kind of hinted at. This is kind of the first episode where Brittany gets a personality. They kind of didn't really establish her as like a dumb blonde. 
until like pretty far into season one. Yeah, um, I feel so like she there gets... was maybe a line or two, but yeah, this is definitely the first where like she has multiple lines. She does things. Apparently, Glee Club only lasts like ten seconds at a time. So we cut back to Will in the hallways, and Sue asks him what the names of the schools they are competing with are, and he tells them to her. But then we cut into him in Emma's office because the show loves cutting super quickly. He explains to Emma that he suspects that Sue is sharing their set list with their competitors so that the competitors can the p- competitors can either get a leg up on them or like steal their songs or steal their choreography. And Emma's like, well, first of all, don't assume. And she says, if you can't bring the, bring the mountain to Mohammed, then you got to get Muhammad to bring the mountain down to his house and I don't think Emma understands what she's saying I barely I understand what don't. I, but she recommends that uh we'll just go down straight down to the Jane Addams Academy or the Haverbrook School from the Death and just straight up ask right because we're all educators we should be able to like be honest with each other and that is again Emma giving good advice so we get to Jane Addams Academy which is just fully a prison It's an underfunded school for like girls with criminal records, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's there's like horrible um, security on the way in. Um, Will has to like be put through a scanner and like sign a waiver as he's coming in. He has to get like an ID card, that kind of thing. Just to not even he's not even, you know, a teacher there. He just is is wanting to meet with like the I guess the principal. Um, I don't know if they ever say what character, what like role Eve's character also um, we're about to meet, I guess, I guess the headmistress, maybe, uh, who is played by Eve. Her name is Grace Hitchens. And as Will, like, knocks on her door, she is reprimanding um, one of her students for robbing a bank. <laughs> and she and goes, she asks, why did you rob a bank? And the student goes, because that's where they keep the money, which she's right. This entire episode, the entire Jane Addams Academy storyline is just like, how many different harmful stereotypes of women of color can we sneak in here? Yeah. Um, when we do see the group later, when they perform at, at, the, at McKinley, there are some white women in there, but it definitely is heavily implied to be like the quote unquote ghetto school. And as Grace dismisses, dismisses aphasia, um, aphasia like knocks into Will on her way out and Grace goes, aphasia give Mr. Schuster his wallet back. And, and Will's like, wow, she's, she's good at that. It's a skill. (laughs) Yeah. Put that on a resume. So when Will comes in, he, he asks, you know, point blank, like, I think our cheerleading coach is like leaking our set list to you guys. And Grace is like, that's really insulting that you think we would lie and cheat just because we're like uh, an underfunded school. Um, And so, yes, Will offers the scrimmage grace says that like our girls don't even have an auditorium we have to practice outside it's ohio we have weather so will offers to let them use the mckinley auditorium um, she also says they don't have costumes and then they show up at the scrimmage at mckinley in costumes mckinley glee club new directions they're sitting in the stands the jane adams girls perform their song and they perform bootylicious which is uh, so good the way they both the way they introduce this song and the way um, it is filmed kind of tells us that we're supposed to be kind of looking down on these girls because it's a lot of like booty shaking choreography 
And it's kind of funny, right? Because Bootylicious is obviously like a very inappropriate song for teenagers to be singing. But high key, this is so good. It's so good. It is such a unique, fantastic performance. The choreography is really impressive because like people look down at that kind of like end style, but that's really hard to do. It's really difficult to do. What's really impressive is like later in the episode, they're going to critique the Jane Addams girls for like not having a lot of like super choreographed movement and like being kind of quote unquote like chaotic on stage or whatever, whipping their hair too much. But like it takes a lot of work to be chaotic, but in an organized way. Yes. Because group dance numbers in like children's theater are so hard to do because like there's always kids not paying attention or kids who like don't know what to do with their bodies. So it actually takes like a huge amount of dedication from these girls to be able to like, like they're not even that unorganized. Like I would argue that probably almost every like movement that these girls make on stage was choreographed by whoever Glee's choreographer was. But like, they're gonna they're gonna say later in the episode that like this is trashy or like this is unrehearsed they're really messy but like they're actually so so good and um and they sound like an actual like full glee club not just like this is the person doing the solo and this is their backup singers like there's people doing solos but it's very much like this is an entire club that is singing right there's also they do a lot of editing with this too there's a lot of jump cuts um but the dancing is really good they also at one point do a like because there's stairs on the stage every single girl in this glee club does a jump split where she jumps in the air and lands in the splits yeah i'm gonna note about that later and they're about to call this glee club like so dumb and so messy for like not having their hair tied back in a number like every single member of this glee club can do a jump split and you're about to complain the after they finish their number the girls from Jane Adams just leave. They just walk right out. So it was like, what's the point of like having a scrimmage or like a little- Maybe playful- McKinley went first and they just did their little don't stop believing whatever. I guess maybe that's what it's implied, but yeah. Um, Rachel leans over to Will because Will looks, he's like putting his hands in his head or whatever. And Rachel's like, they were not good at all. They're, they were just doing hairography which she describes as like smoke and mirrors. And it's just like tossing your hair around, jumping around on stage to distract from the fact that none of them are really, really good dancers. And their vocals are just okay, which is also a lie because their vocals were fantastic. Rachel, I don't know what performance you just watched, but not, and not to like bang the point home too much. Every single girl in that choir leaped like three feet in the air and landed in the splits. I'd love to see you try to do that, Rachel. I would love to see you try to do that. While they were all singing, which to be fair is some like Hollywood editing magic, right? Because it would be very difficult even for a very experienced dancer to sing and do a jump split at the same time. But like, don't, don't come in here and act like you know everything about singing and dancing, Rachel, when we find out later that you don't even know how to read sheet music. Um, so assumably like the next day or later that evening, uh, in Glee Club rehearsal, Will comes in and he says, all right, guys. So I was super inspired by the, uh, Jane Addams girls yesterday. So we're gonna, I guess, take out a number. Cause I, I hate how they don't choose their songs until literally the day of, 
or literally like the week before sectionals. It's so irritating. And I know that like, as far as like Glee, the show is concerned, it's so that they can keep doing new songs every single episode, but it just comes off as like extremely irresponsible on Will's part. Also, like, I don't know if you know this, but in a real show choir, what would happen is the director of the show choir would pick songs before the semester even begins. And they, they rehearse only those songs. It's usually like two or three in a set. They would rehearse only those songs for the entire semester. So what is with all this like homework giving? What is this solos in every single episode? What is this like, I'm just going to stand up in front of the entire Glee Club and sing my my song and then be done with it. I'm not going to ever do it in a competition. It's just so wild. Anyway, he says they're going to do the title, title song. song from the musical Hair. Uh, I had never heard this song before, so I took the liberty of listening to it and it only slaps a little bit. I Friendship with Eliza ended hard like no. I'm sure like which in version a production on st- I listened to the Broadway cast version listen to the version I sent you you never sent me a version I did send you a version I have no memory of this look through our, our messages okay well if it was the revival one then that's the one I sent you I sent you the revival cast but anyway I think it was like the 2006 one okay yeah that's the revival with Gavin Creel okay so my no here it slaps a little bit I'm positive that it would slap much harder in a full production on stage with all the dancing and everything. And I'm sure that there is strong emotional reasons behind this song. It's a really, I think it's a really good song. I think it slaps a lot, but also like there's just some songs when you take them out of like the context that they were originally written for, it kind of takes away from their meaning. So hair is supposed to be a song that's all about like um, liberation and freedom. um, And to an extent kind of expressing like, the main character Claude's um, emotional state at the time in the story. But yeah, it doesn't really make sense to do in a Glee Club period or as an opening number to sectionals when like none of the kids in the club really relate to the song at all. And also he doesn't mention it here, but what they do is they mash it up with Crazy in Love. And I'll have to talk about that when we get to it because we're not there yet, but I have a Mm -hmm. lot of things to say. But yeah, like he comes in and he's like, we're going to do this song hair and none of the kids know it. Puck asks, wait, did they have mohawks back then um, in like the 20s or whatever? Because he thinks that hair was written in the 20s. Will hands out to all of the guys wigs. They are exactly the kind of wigs that you expect. To be fair, though, that makes sense because it lines up with what we've been told about the Glee Club having no money. Rachel complains to Will again. She's like, we don't need hairography to win. And he's like, listen, I was a little intimidated by the Jane Addams girls. I think like we're going to be really inspired by their kind of loose choreography. Like this is going to work for us. Just trust me. They're also, not. How do you do hairography in a wig? It's just going to fly off. Um, like, there are people who can apply wigs very well so that they would stay on. But I do not trust Noah Puckerman to be one of those people who knows how to keep a wig on his head. To be fair, like, I think Mercedes, Kurt, and Rachel would probably know. And so they could probably be, like, the wig team for the Glee Club, you know? That's fair. Um, so anyway, we cut to Quinn Are they walking- then supposed to wear the wigs for the rest of their sectionals performance? Oh, yeah. If that was the opener they do at sectionals, then, like, all the other songs then have to make sense with, like, long hair wigs on, too. Which we know one of the songs is going to be Rolling on a River or um, Proud Mary. So... I guess they'll do that number in wheelchairs and with long hair. 
we were walking down the hallway with Quinn. She's reading a book called How to Raise a Baby on $5 a Day, which I think Puck gave to her. He says it's in case she decides to keep the baby, which up until this point, we haven't seen anything from Quinn really that would imply that she wants to keep it. Yeah. Um, although I guess now that now that her parents know about it, it's kind of like, well, maybe I could keep it now, right? Because when she was living with her parents, there's no way her parents would have like would have been okay with her like giving birth or or having this baby. Um, yeah. Whereas like now because she's living with Finn and his mom, it's like okay, maybe I could do this on my own. Like maybe. And we go into um, a little voiceover Quinn, from Quinn. Quinn says that this is very sweet of Puck. It is not. I can understand kind of if you're a 16 year old girl thinking that this is sweet. It's not. When comparing Finn and Puck, right, there are so many reasons why someone would probably choose Finn over Puck. But I feel in like, let's narrow it down to this specific situation. I would choose the person who is letting me live with him and his mother um, than the man who stole something for me. Like that, that to me doesn't say responsible father, you know? Yeah. Um, we go into Quinn's voiceover and she talks about how she's under a lot of pressure or everyone is putting so much pressure on her. Um, and she feels like every day, like she's just getting closer to having this baby and she's just going to be under so, so much stress. And we go into a scene with um, Terry and Kendra again, where they're like pushing her to not drink diet soda and not do anything bad because you're going to ruin the baby. And it's like, Quinn's kind of like, it's not even going to be my baby. Terry and Kendra are so much that Quinn saying that she's constantly under siege does not even feel like an over exaggeration mm -hmm. yeah and it's kind of like a shoulder angel shoulder devil situation wherein Terry is like you cannot do anything just like you have to be everything everything perfect 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 and Kendra is like listen our mom drank with us all the time and look at how we turned out we're fine I would just like it if Ryan Murphy could stay out of people's pregnancies and stop trying to shame people for the decisions that they make while they're pregnant. Well, I'll maybe shame someone a little bit for drinking while pregnant. I mean, yeah, like there's the, you know, commonly held conventions on like medical science, but like- Drinking diet soda. Yeah. So she starts to wonder, Quinn starts to wonder, um, is, is, am I making the right decision? And like, maybe I just- Maybe it's not that I don't want to keep the baby. Maybe it's that I don't want to keep it with Finn. My only note here is, honey, no! Oh, you definitely, like, oh. She says, maybe I didn't give Puck enough of a chance because he is the real dad. It goes without saying, really, but, like, it takes a lot more. Like, you don't just have to be a biological, biological father. You have to be, like, a good dad or a good father. Like, there's more mm -hmm. to it than just being related to a child. Quinn thinks that she needs to take Puck for a, quote, test run for a little bit but she needs something to distract Finn for a while because Finn would freak out if she if he knew that she was spending time with Puck so she goes to Kurt and she asks Kurt to give Rachel a makeover um, she this scene opens with them in the hallway and Quinn says can I pick your pink brain about something and I'm just gonna so that I don't want to crawl out of my own skin at the homophobia I'm just going to pretend that she means you know a brain is pink all brains are pink 
Um, and Kurt says, I do believe this is the first time you've ever spoken to me. It is. It probably is. It is. Quinn just goes, sorry. And asks him to give Rachel a makeover. Kurt is like, fine, I'll do this. Because, oh, Quinn says, Quinn says, sorry, that if the judges see her at sectionals, like dressing the way she is, which is weird because she wouldn't dress. She'd be wearing a costume. Yeah, she would be wearing her Glee Choir costume uh, for the competition. But like if the judges see her, they're going to know that she's ugly and horrible and we just hate Rachel so much. So they're going to know she's bad. And Kurt's like, fine, I'll do it. So then we cut to um, Terry and Will asleep. Um, or, or they're up in the middle of they're the night. They're going to bed. Yeah. Terry is sleeping in a cocoon of pillows, which honestly, me too, Terry. Um, I have a point to make, which is completely inconsequential. Why is it that like eye covers have become a shorthand for a character who is vain? Huh. I've never thought about it like that. Every single character I can think of who like is styled with wearing like eye covers has been some sort of prissy character who we either aren't supposed to like or we're supposed to see as shallow. Interesting. I guess I'll have to keep an eye out for that now. Will kind of like inches closer to her in a... Strokes her hair. Suggestive way and she freaks out. It's not even that suggestive. It's just kind of like a, if he did that and then reached over and gave her a goodnight kiss on that part of hair that he just like smoothed down would have been completely normal in my book. She flips out. Yeah, she, she claims that... or. I think he just asked like, oh, I was just trying to be intimate. And she goes, you're not trying to be intimate. You're trying to have sex. And because God forbid uh, people have sex. I mean, honestly, God forbid we'll choose to have sex. Like, let's agree on that. But (laughs) to be fair, at this point, she is like a several months pregnant, assumably. I mean, she's not pregnant, you know. We know as the audience, the reason she doesn't want to have sex is because Will would find out that she's wearing a fake baby bump. But also, it's difficult to have sex, I think, as you get pregnant or, or, you know, as the pregnancy goes on. There are ways. Yeah. Anyway. She says that if you wanted to be intimate, you'd ask me how I feel about being pregnant. Okay. How do you feel about being pregnant, Terry? Do tell. <laughs> yeah. Talk about that more, Terry. I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on what it feels like to be pregnant, Terry. We go into a voiceover with Terry where she says that she does feel bad about all the lying, but she just needs to buy herself more time and like think this all over because she hasn't had enough time to think this all over, you know? Um, How long is she supposed to have been pregnant for? I think a few months, a few months since the school year. She definitely definitely looks, I would say if I had to eyeball it six or seven months, maybe, but it, it depends person by person, you know? We go to a scene of Kurt giving Rachel this makeover. And fun fact about this scene, the first time we watched it, I literally already chatboxed Olive. Is this how you learn to teach me how to do my eyebrows? You, did you ever let me pluck your eyebrows? Yes, you were the first person who ever did anything to my eyebrows. Couldn't even remember. The quote being, never go from above, always uh, pluck under, which is fantastic advice. And I, I, I do think that he is correct. Um, he sits down on the bed or Kurt sits down on Rachel's bed and he, he talks to her about how she's a really good singer, but it's really hard to enjoy her performances because all he thinks about is shoving a sock in her mouth. Uh, and that's why she needs a makeover so bad. Um, yeah, he says you need something to distract from your terrible personality. Season one, Kurt can be such a bitch. <laughs> I, I love, 
I know he's, we're about to see that he can be really bad because um, he does some ugh, not good stuff ugh. in this um, in this episode, but it's but I love also, it. Low it's key, very funny. Low key, this Kurt, kind of an icon, a little bit of an icon. Um, he tells Rachel that once they're done with the makeover, um, every boy in school is going to do a double take while she walks past and she kind of admits, she goes, well, there's really only one boy I like. And he's like, oh, do tell. And she's like, it's Finn. And the face crack, the way his eyes like go dead. The way Chris Colfer, I don't think ever got an Emmy for this role. Crime. Crimes. But yes, basically he, he launches into the makeover um, and says that he knows that Finn likes loose women. And just like Sandy in Greece, Sandy had to lose the poodle skirt and put on a cat suit. So we're going to do the same with Rachel. And then this we whole, like this scene is just terrible, honestly. So you know what's funny? Um, in this episode, they did release a cover of Don't Make Me Over by um, Dionne Warwick. And it's sung by Amber Riley. And theoretically, it would have been the like underscoring of this scene or the underscoring of the scene where she's walking through the hallway or which we're about to get to. Why didn't we get a makeover montage? Yeah. There was no makeover montage, a perfect opportunity for a makeover montage and an Amber Riley solo. And they didn't give it to us. Missed opportunity. Terry has gotten Will an entire car to work on to keep him busy. It's a Blue Bomber 2 is what I, I think it is. Um, and it's the car that he had in high school. Not the exact same, but the same type of car. And so she says like, oh, well, you can work on this. This can be like your little project to distract from like all the pressure that you've been under. And that's great. But as they are hugging, we see Kendra and Quinn like walking through the parking garage, assumably to get to their apartment. And Terry is like, oh, oh, you should, says to Will that he should run out and get some frozen yogurt for her. Um, because he, she doesn't want Will to see Quinn at the apartment, obviously, because that would be like super weird because Terry's not supposed to know about Quinn at all, really. Only know her by name. Yeah. So this discussion is essentially that Quinn has decided to keep her baby. Yes. Uh, they come in. <laughs> Kendra comes in and is like, she's gone insane. She wants to keep the baby. She calls Quinn Little Miss Peroxide, but she just says she's keeping the baby. And then we cut into... Will Schuster in his office, meeting with the head of the Haverbrook School for, for the Deaf. Glee loves to do this thing where they will take an oppressed or minority or underprivileged group and just make them out to be completely unreasonable. Yeah, to be fair, I do think this guy is a little funny. His, the character's name is Dalton Rumba. He is deaf in one ear. So throughout this conversation, he's like talking over Will and his phone is ringing. Um, so he like can't hear his phone ringing and Will is like trying to communicate with him, but he just like, he's not shouting, but he's just talking really fast. I don't think Ryan Murphy's ever met a deaf person before. It is, I guess it's a little funny, but it's also very stressful. So Dalton Rumba has come to McKinley to complain like, oh, you gave the Jane Addams girls a scrimmage. Like how come my school like didn't get to meet up with your guys? Like how come you like haven't come talk to us at all? Um, and Will apologizes. He's like, I... I offered the scrimmage to the Jane Addams girls because they don't have a rehearsal space. And Mr. Rumba is like, we barely have any money for the arts too. I run a glee club at a deaf school. So what do you think we're doing? Like, we're also, you know, 
probably very underfunded or that kind of thing. And so Will offers again, like, okay, well, here's an invitation to another scrimmage. Like, we'd love to have you guys. We then cut to uh, Will is coming in from presumably the parking lot, parking garage, working on the car. And Kendra says he makes a sexy grease monkey. And I would just like to say that Kendra implying that Will Schuster is sexy is both A, untrue, and B, a weird thing to say about your sister's husband. She says she would get something like that for Phil, referring to the car, if she didn't think it would make him so happy. And once again, Kendra is the worst and her husband should divorce her. Now we finally get to something that gives us like a timestamp for Glee. Quinn's due date is in spring break, which is generally end of March, beginning of April. Mm -hmm. Which means that she got pregnant middle to end of June. But it at least gives us a timeline, but we have no idea what part of the school year we're in. So this doesn't really help my thesis. Also, if she if she got pregnant end of June, that means she was three months pregnant when she told Finn, assumably at the beginning of the semester. Yeah. Depending, maybe if they started in like middle of August, it would have been just two months, but like still. Yeah, which is also reasonable because I think someone could be two or three months pregnant and like not know that they're uh, pregnant. Yeah. Especially um, a and teenager. Also not be showing. Quinn is seven months pregnant. She should be showing so much more than she is. She should be showing. And keep in mind, Quinn does not give birth until the end of this season, which we're about to get to sectionals in two episodes. But the end of the season doesn't happen for another like 10 to 12 episodes. So it can't be January because that's too many episodes for just two months. Yeah, who knows? It's just like... Like also, a lot of things in Glee, it's like, here is our idea. Here is our storyline. And it's like, have you thought of anything else except for the fact that you want this to happen? And they go, no. Also, again, I think three episodes ago now, they said that they had two weeks until sectionals. It has clearly been more than two weeks. I hate this show. <laughs> um. Anyway, so uh, Kendra, like, qualms Terry's fears. And she's like, oh, I know how to, like, for sure get Quinn to give us her baby I'm gonna make her babysit my kids and we know Kendra has these three triplets that are like little monsters um so we cut away from that and we cut into Rachel walking down the halls of McKinley and she is wearing a corset and a skirt how very uh Raven Dementia way of her whatever Ebony Darkness Dementia Raven way I wish yes. I didn't have that phrase memorized and ready to pop out at any time. I will say that except for like the knee socks and like maybe a long sleeve collared shirt underneath, this doesn't look like something totally out of Rachel's dress sense. Like it's a little pleated plaid skirt, which is what she wears anyway. And I could like, like I said, if you add knee socks and a long sleeve shirt underneath, I absolutely believe this is something Rachel would just wear. Yeah, I would say the biggest difference is like you can see more of her bust and also she's got like a full face of makeup on and she's got her hair done. She's got her hair like kind of loosely curled in that kind of like uh, glamour shot way. Um, And she immediately passes by Finn and Finn does a double take and is like, whoa, Rachel, you look different. And Rachel just politely asks, you know, if he wants to hang out on Friday night and they could 
go over the number a little bit. And Finn is just like, uh, you're pretty now. So yes. Or, or he goes to um, ask Quinn if he can do something on Friday night and he doesn't tell Quinn what it is. And red but- flags abound in this relationship between Quinn and Finn, but him feeling the need to ask permission is like an extra big one in my mind. Uh, to be fair, it it could be that like Friday night is their date night and like they always yeah. do something Friday night, something like that. Um, and she says it's fine. She says, I'm going to be babysitting that night anyway. So yeah, do whatever you want Friday night. And I then think- she goes and asks Puck to babysit with her. Yes. Which is essentially setting up a date, even though babysitting together is like kind of a weird date, but she's, you know, taking Puck on a test run to see how he would work with kids. Then we cut into Glee Club and Brittany, um, where she's explaining how or what hairography is and how to do it. And she describes it as cool epilepsy. And as an epileptic, the scene is not super fun. The word spaz um, has like, I guess, kind of integrated itself into culture and like distance itself from epilepsy now. So people don't really associate the two. But she says it's like spazzing and stuff. And it's just you like, have to, she said, she also compares it to pretending that you're getting tasered. Yeah. It's just like, that's, I don't know. There's a, I feel there's a funnier way you could explain this. So all the guys are tossing their hair back and forth and it's not choreographed too. Cause again, I just want to make it very clear. Like what the Jane Addams girls were doing was choreography. It just so happened that their hair was also loose during it. And so they were tossing their heads around a lot. But what they're doing right now is not choreography. They're literally just banging their heads around. Anyway, Will sees Sue Sylvester at the um, class window and he goes out to um, argue with her. Um, and she, he accuses her of watching them, stealing their set list, stealing their uh, choreography. She says that what he's doing is ridiculous and that the whole reason the Cheerios are so, so successful is because they all have such amazing talent she doesn't need to hide it I will say too this is a trend we get with Will throughout throughout the first season sort of throughout the show is that Will oftentimes like doesn't believe that his glee club is good enough right and so we saw it before when he like tried to bring April Rhodes in and you know to an extent like Will just needs to have faith in his glee club because he's got so much talent in this glee club like uh, Mike and Brittany could very easily come up with choreography that is fantastic and probably better than the Jane Addams girls. But by um, getting so attached to what he's seen from the competitors, he like scares himself into a corner and backs the entire Glee Club into a corner and thinks that like they have to perform a certain way that isn't true to themselves. That's just my little analysis of it. Um, we cut into uh, Finn in Rachel's room and she is assumably in like her ensuite bathroom or something uh, getting ready um, and she suggests that they rehearse You're the One That I Want from Greece because it's the song that they sang like when he first joined Glee Club which is weird because when she invited him over they said that they would rehearse hair um, but anyway <laughs> she comes out in like a full Sandy from Greece catsuit costume. She's got her hair like dolled up, curled, um, like sexy makeup on. Um, and she starts the song on her little stereo and Finn is 
so uncomfortable. And I just so I, uncomfortable. I want to ask, like, no offense. What does Rachel think is going to happen here? What does Rachel think is going to happen here? Like, think this through for even a moment. Does she think that they're going to hook up? Because we find out later this season that Rachel is definitely not ready to lose her virginity emotionally, ready for that step. Does she think that they're going to just sing a really good cover of You're the One That I Want? And then he's going to realize, oh, I've been in love with you this whole time. I'll definitely break up with my pregnant girlfriend. I also want to note, I think this is one of the most awkward things I've seen in my entire life. Glee will one-up themselves, though. They will one-up themselves, but this is on the list, I think. Yeah. This is on the list. Finn stops her. Like, stop, stop. I have to be honest with you. I'm really uncomfortable right now, which good for him. Have your boundaries and stay with him. Uh, He also says that she looks like a sad clown hooker. Which is sad. She doesn't. I think she looks good. Leah Michelle is a very, very pretty woman. Um, but yeah, it's, and it's good that Finn stops her. Um, he says, you know, I was caught off guard at first because I did think you looked good, but like, really, I, I, this isn't you. He says, this isn't you. Like, I know you and I think you look better, you know, when you're true to yourself, which is, and now is when we find out that Kurt lied to Rachel and Finn likes nat- girls who are natural. Yes. Which whatever. Which, whatever, never change yourself Change yourself for a guy. If you truly, in your heart of hearts, want to dress a certain way, you do that. Don't follow trends. Don't follow what the cool people say. Don't follow what guys say. But uh, I also do think, I do think, to an extent, not that we should be, like, patting men on the back for, like, having decency. I think it's nice that Finn, Finn tells Rachel, like, you look the best when you are comfortable. Exactly. Which is is true. Which is true. Which I think Um, is true for everyone. So we cut into, we cut into Quinn and Puck babysitting, except they're not really babysitting. They are tied to two chairs with a pair of jump ropes. And the uh, Kendra's children are just running around screaming as they usually are whenever they're on screen. While they are tied up, Puck is texting. Somehow, considering their hands are tied up. Yeah. Um, he says it's Mike Chang, um, and and Quinn doesn't really think much of it, but keep that in mind for later. Anyway, yes, they get untied. And Quinn sa- says we need to find some way to calm them down. Puck mentions he brought his guitar, and Quinn asks if they want to see a real-life music video. And it immediately stops the kids. I don't know if anyone listening to this has ever been a babysitter, but we both have. We've both worked with kids. That is not how that works. And we go into... Actually, I think it's a really cute cover of Papa Don't Preach by Madonna. It's very cute. However, it's so on the nose. It's physically painful to me. I love it. I think it's- It's a fantastic song. She does very well. It's just like, wow. It is- I get it. Yes, I understand the point you're trying to make here. It is on the nose for the situation. It's also like not an appropriate song to sing to kids. For those who don't know, Papa Don't Preach is about a girl- talking to her dad, telling her dad that she is pregnant um, and asking, like, don't preach. Like, I know it's a bad decision or I know it's a bad situation to be in, but uh, please be here for me. I also, so they did release this song, but they released it as an acoustic cover the way that it's filmed on the show. I think they should have given us a full cover of it. Not that this isn't, like, they only sing like a first verse of it. And the fact that just last episode, 
they gave us a full recorded cover of Crush after Rachel only sings like one line of it on the episode. They should have given us a full cover of Papa Don't Preach because it, it does sound really good. Um, it quiets the kids immediately and they just ask for them to sing it again and jump forward and all the boys are in their beds and Kendra and Terry are floored by how easy it seemed for Quinn. And Kendra says it's the first time they've ever been asleep all at the same time. They're done. Quinn and Puck walk out. And Quinn says this parenting thing, we can do. I think it's Puck actually who says it. This parenting thing, we can do this. Okay, so I think I've mentioned this before, but I nanny. And I work primarily with infants because that's just how my work has led me. Um, This is not the experience you're going to have right off the bat. You're not going to have three screaming, like I assume six and seven year olds. You're going to have a newborn which is way harder. Um, second of all, there is not like going home at the end of the night for parenting. Right. That's just not, that's not how it works. And also, uh, I feel we can't stress this enough. You're teenagers. Yeah. Kendra, Kendra has a house or an apartment and a husband and either a job herself or her husband has a job where they can provide for their three children. Um, you guys do not. Puck has maybe a summer job. Quinn has no job. They mention again, Quinn's like, oh, I, I wasn't sure at first because you were texting Mike so much. And Puck's like, no, I am totally here for you. And like, I know we can do this. Spoiler alert, they can't. We cut into Rachel confronting Kurt in the halls of McKinley. She says, I thought we were friends. And, and he Kurt says, says, what made you think that? Which is so iconic. <laughs> Truly, what did make her think that? Yeah, what, ma- what made you think that, Rachel? You've been, like, pr- pretty crappy to him this whole time. Kurt is being super, super blunt here, and he has done something bad by, like, you know, getting her all... Purposely kind of, like, ruining her relationship with Finn. Um, but he's also right. Yeah, so here's the thing. He's not going My, about this it. This whole conversation to me is they're both right, but they're also both wrong, but they're also both so competitive they are unwilling to recognize that the other is also right in a way. So here's the thing. If if Kurt like genuinely wanted to help Rachel, I think he would have given her a makeover, given her like more confidence, right? And told her like if not get get over Finn, at least like find a way to be happy in yourself without Finn's approval. Like that's what a like a good friend would have done. What Kurt is doing instead is saying like, well, I'm just helping Finn realize that you're not even an option. And Rachel uh, picks up on the fact that Kurt also has a crush on Finn. And she says, well, at least I am an option because even if I was second choice to Quinn or even if I was 50th choice or 100th choice, I'm still higher on the list than you because I am a girl. It doesn't seem like Kurt has done anything to try to get Finn all that into him he is just trying to sabotage Rachel a bit and he does have a point because well Finn thinks the baby's his he is never leaving Quinn like this is another one of those things where it's like this is not okay behavior but it is understandable given the fact that you are both 16 years old and I also kind of feel like the writers don't really know what they were doing with Kurt beyond like his coming out storyline yet I will just sprinkle in again. We could have had bisexual Finn, but Ryan Murphy's a coward and hates bisexual people. Yeah, Um, I I definitely don't like ship Finn and Kurt, right? Definitely not. But I do think you're exactly right where like they didn't really know what to do with Kurt afterwards and they wanted to like make it clear that this character was gay. 
but rather than giving him like a viable love interest they were just like uh yeah let's have him like have a crush on the main character in this like super predatory and really creepy way and I Ryan think Murphy the- himself is both gay and homophobic in a similar vein to RuPaul if this celebrity was not gay they would be a homophobe he like the final like line of the scene is Kurt saying like listen doesn't matter because he's never going to pick either of us and the sooner we both realize that the better which I think is fair things do get better obviously like in the following episodes because spoiler alert some drama is about to go down at sectionals but anyway we uh, pan over to Santana confronting Quinn in the hallways and Santana's like stop hanging out with my man and Quinn's like "Mm, what and Santana reveals that she and Puck had been sexting all the night that they had been babysitting um I clearly they didn't know that they were going to make Santana a lesbian I think at this point writing the story because Santana barely has a personality let alone a sexuality at this point yeah she says for the record asking someone to babysit with you is super 90s and Quinn's like, well, Puck cares about me. Puck would never do that. And Santana's like, mm, he did Check his phone. <laughs> Check his phone. We don't get a resolution on that just yet because we cut into the scrimmage with the Haverbrook School and the New Directions. And so um, Will Schuster introduces their glee club and we go into a cover of Crazy in Love by Beyonce and Hair from Hair. And I am just so upset by how they ruined both of these songs. And I when know- I first thought that this was just going to be a Mercedes Crazy in Love solo, I was so hyped. You think it's just going to be Crazy in Love. And you're like, okay, kind of go off. But the choreography is bad. The, like, the backup singing is like, it just sounds kind of disjointed. And like... It just, it's something that never should have been done. I do think Mercedes singing like any Beyonce song would probably sound good, but like, this is just not the way to do it. If they make it not be a mashup anymore and they change the choreography, this is a solid choice for sectionals. By like making it a mashup, they ruin both of the songs because the bits from hair that they do, the bits from hair that they do, they change the tune completely to make it fit into Crazy in Love. And like effectively make it not the tune of hair anymore because how a mashup should go is like a little bit of one song a little bit of the other maybe like the songs go back and forth for a little bit you're not like shoving one song into the other until it works because it doesn't and and so the parts of hair that they do in this song they give to Artie as a solo and I think Kevin McHale could again probably play a good Claude in hair or probably sing the song well but the songs do not go together and the performance of it is bad too. And which is on purpose too. For context, like when I was, uh, I, when I was a kid and I watched this scene, obviously I listened to it with music on, but for preparation for this episode, I listened to the scene with the sound off because the deaf school is watching them. So you have to keep in mind that the deaf school is essentially watching them either with absolutely no sound or with only maybe like little bits of sound, like if they're wearing um, hearing aids or cochlear implants, other hearing devices. So effectively, like they're just watching a bunch of teenagers like 
flip their hair around and we get a little cut to um, two of the Haverbrook students and one says they look crazy and the other says totally in sign language. They're all just like jumping around. It's super disorganized. It's nowhere near the amount of like precision and polish that the Jane Addams girls had. Mm-hmm. And then when the song ends, they're all just like very loosely doing, they're not sure if they can like clap applaud or like do sign language applause. And it's all very weird and awkward. Which is McKinley's fault. <laughs> yeah, fully, fully Will Schuster's fault too, because he's barely good at like step ball chains choreography. He certainly doesn't know how to do hairography, you know? And Rachel goes up and was like, that was terrible. And Will's like, no, no, it's just a rehearsal. Like it's supposed to be a little, a little uh, un- unprepared. And so the New Directions sit down and we go into the Haverbrook School's song, which is Imagine by John Lennon. And it's very beautiful. And I'd like to point out that they did cast actual deaf actors for the school. Um, I even spotted Trishel Edmonds, uh, Edmund, who is, she played Martha in the Deaf West Spring Awakening. This was years and years ago, years and years before that. But I, as a Deaf West Spring Awakening fan, I w- was very excited to see her in this. It does also feel a little bit disability inspiration porn. So here's the thing. I disagree at first. At first, you think it's going to be like, oh, actually, this really nice, like, not lyrical dance, but the language ASL is really beautiful because it's language in motion. There are really cool things you can do with ASL in choreography. And so you think it's going to be actually like this kind of really touching piece. But then Mercedes, out of nowhere, starts singing along, unprompted, unasked. No one invited her to do this. And it, and that's when it turns into like this weird inspiration porn where like the McKinley High is like giving the deaf kids a voice because they're singing along. And it's like, no, the deaf kids performance was fine to begin with. And they did not ask for all these McKinley High kids to like butt into their performance. Yeah. Disabled people don't exist to make you feel better about yourself. Right. Exactly. This song, I will say, has been ruined for me personally due to the collection of celebrities who sung it one week into quarantine. I think about that regularly. Is there like just some celebrity group chat where they all got together and decided, hey, let's ruin a John Lennon song for everyone on Earth? I think Gal Gadot sent out like a mass text to everyone on her contact list. And so that's why we got such like a weird variety of celebrities. But so yes, back to the cover of Imagine. They did release like a a formal cover of this, right, on the Glee soundtrack. And in that, there uh, is no, um, the soloist of the deaf choir is named John Entry. um, And he is, like I said, a deaf actor. So his voice, um, I don't know if he is completely deaf or hard of hearing, but he does not sing. He is speaking the lyrics. He is not on the formal Glee soundtrack recording, obviously. The formal Glee soundtrack recording is just Mercedes singing it with the McKinley High backing her up. But essentially what happens is Mercedes starts to stand up and then gradually the whole McKinley High Glee Club like joins the Haverbrook School on their little stage setup and they all end up like performing the song together, right? But yeah, it's like a very weird and tone deaf thing because like, they didn't ask for this. Disabled people don't just exist to make able-bodied people feel better about themselves. Yeah. After that, 
which is a lot to absorb to begin with. Uh, after that, we have Quinn storming over to Puck's locker and grabbing his phone and seeing that, yes, he was, in fact, sexting Santana the entire time they were babysitting. Yeah. I purposely did not read what they contained because I don't want to know what Glee considers sexting. So uh, can I tell you a fun fact then? Uh, they show a shot of, of the phone and one of the texts is repeated. Like they didn't write enough texts like for it to make sense on the phone wow so that's just like a it's a little error where one of I think it's Santana says like I'm not wearing anything or something like that or I'm not wearing any underwear or something and you can see it says it twice maybe she just felt the need to repeat herself I guess yeah um (laughs) Quinn Quinn is obviously upset and Puck's like listen I tried to resist her but like you haven't given it up to me in in months since the time I knocked you up yeah. So I tried like, to resist Santana. Try harder. Puck's like, clearly this is your fault because you won't have sex with me. And Quinn's like, I need someone to raise a baby with me. And I cannot be raising a baby with someone who like will turn his back on me the minute I don't like have sex with you for a little while. He says he's young and girls have this power over him. Okay, Puck, you're old. So you're old enough to be a parent is what you're trying to convince everyone of but you're also so young that you're fine with cheating on checks notes literally everyone you've ever been with it also like they will use this trope again in season four when marley is dating jake but it's this weird like backwards thinking of like it's your fault that i cheated on you because you should have known that i was a player when you started dating me and puck says uh, I know I can be a good dad, but I'm not going to stop being me to do it. And it's like, okay, but you have to though. Like you understand that like you cannot be this immature, this like flippant with other people's emotions and still be a good dad. Like those two things do not add up. Yeah. Like no wonder she'd rather have a baby with Finn if you're going to act like this. Um, but then we learn that she decides so that she is going to give her baby to the Schusters. And she knows that Will is going to be a good father. Which is great. He will be. Will does come in while Terry and Quinn are talking. And he's like, hmm, Quinn, what are you doing here? And Terry's like, oh, we're just exchanging pregnancy war stories. Which is a little weird because as far as Will is aware, Terry and Quinn have never met. Yeah. Anyway, Will takes Terry down into the parking garage of their ap- apartment comp- complex and reveals that he has sold the Blue Bomber 2 and bought a minivan. Still kind of like a broken down, dusty minivan, but he's like, I'm ready to like start a family for real. It's totally irrational for me to have like a sports car while we're trying to start a family. So like, I I wanted to do this. I want to do this with you. Yeah, Terry specifically says she got the car to distract him and he specifically goes, I don't want anything to distract me from you guys yikes yeah we then cut and finn is coming out of the bathroom and quinn is standing there waiting for him and she just says in like just the saddest voice like can we be in love again it breaks my heart yeah there's a lot of analysis to be done on like the verbal abuse that quinn puts finn through and by no means are they a perfect relationship by no means but i do think this scene is very sweet and it does serve as a foil to the previous scene with Will and Terry because Finn and Quinn are kind of reaffirming um, how much they care about each other. And Finn admits to Quinn 
I spent time with Rachel the other night and I swear nothing, nothing happened. Like she came out in this weird cat suit, but I like left immediately. I was super uncomfortable. Like I want to be with you. And Quinn's like, thank you for telling me. It's totally fine. I really appreciate your honesty. And as they are walking away together, both Rachel and Kurt give them like longing glances in the hallway. We then cut to Will giving Sue the set list. Um, mm-hmm. And it lists Proud Mary in the wheelchairs and Don't Stop Believing. And one song that Sue says she doesn't recognize before. So yeah, that means Sue doesn't know the song True Colors. I feel like everyone knows that song. Sue does give the other teams the set list. Obviously. In Sue's office, when she gives them the set list, at first, both of the teachers are like, oh, no, no, we would never. And Sue's like, you want to win, don't you? And kind of just like convinces both, this is all that you can do. You know, this is all your kids are ever going to get in life or they're going to give up if they don't win one competition, which is incorrect, I would think. Um, We do get a Tina solo. Finally, a Tina solo. It's True Colors. I'm gonna be honest, I don't really like the song to begin with. I think True Colors is kind of a boring song. I do think it's a really nice cover of it. They sound very good. It's just also really boring. Yeah, they do it like a stool choir. So like they're all sitting on stools. They're in just like block colored shirts. So it's like, we're one big happy family again. Everything's great. Um, so it's not a bad, bad cover. I listen to it when it's on. But yeah, I'm, I'm a little over it too, I guess. And that's the end of the episode. So to be fair, like, I don't want us to always, always be agreeing on the best song of the episode, but I feel it's pretty obvious here. It's bootylicious. I do really like Papa Don't Preach, too. I think, like I said, I think they should have done a full cover of it. I think it really fits Diana Agron's voice. As far as worst song in the episode, maybe it's a cop-out. I'm going to count You're the One That I Want again, just because that scene was so bad. Yeah. As I've talked about, I hate this cover of Hair. I think more than I hate, mm, I was going to say more than I hate the Blurred Lines cover, not more than I hate the Blurred Lines cover. Because if I, if like gun to my head, someone was like, choose between the Glee cover of Hair and the Glee cover of Blurred Lines, I guess I would choose Hair. But it is, in my opinion, one of the worst because I hate it. That's valid. That scene from The Office where he's like, I've been hate-crimed. And they're like, that's not what a hate crime is. And he's like, well, I hated it. That's me to this cover of hair. Fair enough. Okay, is it time for our segment? And here's what you didn't miss on Glee. 24 Karat Magic by Bruno Mars. 24 Karat Magic in the air. I mean, I guess it would have been like a big dance number, right? Because it's a pretty upbeat song. I would have loved to have seen this as a Warblers song. Yeah, you know what? This should have been like one of their competition songs or maybe like when they were trying to tempt Blaine back into the Glee Club. But we need to do things, characters that we have right now. Uh, Unfortunately, that means they probably would have given it to Puck. I think they maybe could have made it an Artie thing. They probably would have done it as like a whole guys number. I think yeah. Puck would have sung lead. I think Artie would have done back, back, back up. By rights, it's an Artie solo, but you know, in reality, because Glee is just a collection of the worst decisions a person can make, it would be given to Puck. So yeah, I think that's everything. Is that our show? Yeah, well, so next week's episode is Mattress. It is the, the not the last episode, but the last episode before sectionals. 
big stuff goes down in mattress. Yes, so much happens. So I guess people will just have to come back and listen to more. Or just watch the episode, I guess. That's also an option, but please listen to our show. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr at Singsations Pod. That is S I N G S A T I O N S P O D. Did that all in one breath. Very impressed with myself. Uh, okay, thanks. Bye.